0: The fishing opener is over. How was the bite? We'll find out today from Matt Brewer of North Country Guide Service. But he's been busy turkey hunting, so we'll talk about that as well. Plus, part one of my conversation with Andy Thompson of the Bemidji Area Fisheries Office on the new Cass Lake Chain Management Plan. And we'll have the answer to this week's Fish and Paul Bunyan Country Trivia Question too. It's all coming up. keys, tackle box in my hand Gonna cast a few lines with my toes in the sand Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man But the wife, she just don't understand I love wildlife, perch, trout, and bass And if you don't like fishing, you can kiss my four-stroke right in the back Cause the fish is all tremble at the thought of me and when I'm fishing, Paul Bunyan country This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tag. Well, checking in with Matt Brewer from North Country Guide Service. Uh, Matt has actually been spending the bulk of his time turkey hunting these days. We're going to talk about that, certainly, but let's uh, start with fishing. And first of all, Matt, thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you didn't actually get to go out and go fishing this weekend for a few different reasons, but obviously uh, you talked to a lot of people who did. What was the word uh, from the lakes? Yeah, I
1: didn't didn't go out. The older I get, the less inclined I am to go when it's like snowing and... 25 mile an hour winds and 36 degrees i just really don't need to do that anymore <laughs> well
0: <laughs> um, it, yes but, the, yeah. it's not like a deer season when you got a couple of weeks uh, we have plenty of time to fish
1: right and by by like mid july i'll be sick of walleyes anyway so i may as well <laughs> uh get out get out and enjoy the first day that i go out but uh i kind of broke tradition i think it was last year chose to go to Vegas instead of fishing opener and uh, that was the first opener I missed and once you miss one then it's like well I'm not going to start tradition all over again and I'll go if I go and if I don't I don't so I'm not I don't have any hurt feelings but I did talk to a lot of guys who were out and you know a lot of people were messaging me asking how it was going and I had to tell them I'm at home how are you doing so um, it sounds like fishing was was really good for the people who were able to to tough it out um the bulk of people i talked to spent the day up on red lake and uh you know red lake opener is always fantastic and everybody i talked to who was up there did very very well Uh, people even caught some crappies and obviously some uh some sheep had to go along with their with their mixed bag some some big northern stuff like that but uh did talk to a few people who fish locally as well and some that went out, you know, right at midnight, um or got up super early, like three, four in the morning and were out. And everybody everybody I talked to you did pretty well. So, uh, you know, I think I think things are, are gonna roll straight uh straight into into some good fishing here, right out right off the bat. Water temps are pretty decent and the walleyes are active
0: well i I think when, when it comes down to it for for walleye opener it's really more a matter of whether you can get on the water and tolerate it than whether the fish will bite this is a time of year the fish is they're going to be biting
1: yeah they're they're usually hungry um we always have the weird phenomenon on lake bemidji where like the first week or two weeks of the season is always a little bit difficult like you can still go out and grind out your limit but Um, But it's not hot and heavy. It's like Bemidji really turns on at the end of the month, beginning of June. You know, that's when it starts to get really popping where you have those 30, 40, 50, 60 fish days. Um,
0: Don't get me wrong. You
1: can still, like I said, go out and grind out a limit for sure. But, um, you know, it's nothing like red or some of the smaller bodies of water that are just a hair warmer. And I think that, you know, that might have a, have a, a say in what's happening is the, the bigger water and the deeper water it's, it's water to, to take a little longer to, to climb up but, um, but yeah I mean like you said if you could get out and tolerate it and keep your fingers warm enough to feel a bite you were probably going to do all right
0: and it's also not a secret what most people are doing I mean there are a few who always like to try something a little different but most people are going to go jigs and minnows and that's going to be very successful yeah,
1: you know, there's some people like going out at midnight fishing the river mouth and stuff and they're still using like light of bobbers with a with a leech or, or a shiner. Uh, some people are pulling crankbaits, you know, especially um, at that like midnight to four AM. Um, but otherwise, you know, a long shape jig with a with a shiner minnow or or a big fat head that that's gonna do the trick during the day. Uh, for at least a month straight so yeah there's there's no secret shallow water nine to nine to 13 feet of water is probably that prime target zone you can probably find fish in two to three feet of water Um, and you can probably find fish out in 30 feet of water too but that nine to 13 foot range is kind of that's the opener magic and it'll stay that way for a little while here
0: What have you heard about uh, uh, minnows being available? You know, people always love the shiners, and I heard it was not a great spring for shiners. Uh, Have you heard similar?
1: I've heard similar, but I also heard it that it's better than last year. And last year was the worst that I can remember. Like, it was very difficult to get shiners, and I had to, uh, during my guiding season, I really had to adjust and adapt because... know i was starting guide trips with like five scoops of shiners and i i run that through like early to mid-june and last year i i was lucky to get a scoop or two of shiners and then i'd have to supplement with like bad or rainbows or something and uh uh, last year was really tough this year i think we're going to run into a similar situation but i think from what i've been hearing and and you know the bait dealers i've been talking to it it's a little bit better than last year, so uh, so I'm hopeful, and uh, people are still able to have shiners right now. So uh, hopefully, baiting is going well and continues for a little longer than it did last season.
0: And obviously, shiners work really, really well. It's what walleyes really seem to like in the spring. But if they're hungry, they'll eat something else. I mean, I, I want you know I want a ribeye, but I will eat a sirloin if I'm hungry.
1: Yeah, I'm a firm believer that if uh, a fish is hungry, they really don't discriminate. So as long as you put put something in front of them, you know, I, I heard people early in the season say, "Ah, oh, we didn't do very well, but we didn't have any shiners." Well, you know, maybe you just weren't in the right spot because they will eat anything. But um, but your your numbers definitely do increase um, when you when you have shiners. But you you got to be on the fish. So,
0: so when are you going to get to f- do a little fishing?
1: Um, well, I'm talking to you currently on my <laughs> in the truck. I'm on my way to South Dakota to go turkey hunting. Um, I, I've still got one more turkey hunt in me, trying to get my son his first Black Hills bariums, And uh, we're going to get that done with. And then hopefully get out uh, Thursday will be my probably first day, Thursday or Friday, and then and then, uh, as long as they don't extend the stay-at-home order, then uh, my guiding will start on Saturday, so looking forward to get back, uh, you know, to run, in, uh, to run in the small business. Really haven't been able to do that for, you know, for a couple months now, so it'll be good to get that back up and rolling and, and start funneling some clients through the boat and uh, You'll know, get busy after that.
0: So I'm sure you've been thinking about this as you as you've been looking at other businesses and what they need to do to open up. Have you thought about what you think? What kind of requirements, a, a charter or a guide might have? Do you, do you have any idea? Is there a group that works on this stuff?
1: Um, I I guess I've talked to other guys and I've had I've had a lot of other guys contact me asking what I'm going to be doing. And uh, there's a lot of tricky things that play into it. Like um, theoretically, I would like it if everybody met me at the access, and everybody wore a buff. And I'm lucky enough to be working with some good companies where I can get buffs relatively cheap. So I'm, you know, so I just ordered a bunch of buffs. And uh, for people not familiar with a buff, it's like a, a face mask, next gaiter. And, uh, you know, you're in the boat, you're in the open air. Um, But just to have some safety precaution, you know, everybody might be just issued a bus when they they hop in the boat. I guess we're going to see how it goes and see how people react to it. But with people meeting you at the access, a lot of times I'll try to meet somewhere nearby and then, you know, and then we drive over to the access because some places like, you know, like Big Turtle or Big Lake or something like that, if it's a busy day, you you don't have room for two extra vehicles under non-trailer to um, be parking at access is eating up space. So um, there's a lot of things we got to try to figure out, I guess. But um, but like I said, you're in the open air, and I plan on driving 50 miles an hour from spot to spot, and I plan on the wind blowing and the weather being crappy, so people who are wearing a buff probably won't complain. <laughs>
0: More fishing talk to come later in the show, but we're going to talk turkey with Matt next. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tech. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle, and even though it's FPBC, we're going to do some TPBC right now. Well, let's talk turkey hunting. Uh, I, I've been following you on, on uh, social media for a number of years, and it uh, sounds like you and your clan all, uh, all got turkeys this year. Yeah, we.
1: It was a weird year for us because we. Um, this is the first year I didn't start my season off in Florida um, because instead of going to Florida this year, we plan to go to Hawaii. And then our Hawaii trip got canceled. <laughs> so, um, And then we had tags for Kansas and Nebraska and the Black Hills. And that was going to kind of be our season. And uh, Kansas got wiped out. Nebraska, we couldn't go. Um, so we put kind of all of our eggs in, in the basket in Minnesota. And everybody tagged out. Uh, my son pegged out on the second hunt. My daughter shot hers on the first hunt. I got mine on the first day. Uh took Rylander out twice and he killed his on the second morning. And my wife shot hers the first afternoon of her hunt. So we we we're kinda of rolling. It's been it's been really good.
0: Well the, the the we we certainly can't complain about the population. Uh i I think we've talked about this before. I've talked to it with the the guys at the DNR about it. This is a, a really tremendous success story in northern Minnesota.
1: Yeah, it's always funny. Um, I, I know you've talked to Blaine Clemmock before and mm-hmm. um Blaine was part of the the, uh, the transplanting of wild turkeys into like Clearwater County and uh, you know and help, I think he helped out on the Hubbard project and and you know a lot of these birds have Funneled into Beltrami and stuff like that, and and it, it's funny because I I saw he posted a picture not that long ago about introducing them into Clearwater County, and someone said you're the one who spread the invasive species, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's really funny because you know uh, much like pheasants, actually I just saw some pheasants when I was driving here a little bit ago, and it made me think of of it because they're an invasive species, but everybody loves hunting turkeys and everybody loves hunting pheasants so uh we can't really complain and and it is a great success story i remember when i first started turkey hunting um my dad and my brother and i used to go down to uh like the rochester harmony area because that was the only place you could draw a pig in minnesota and now you can shoot them clear up to the canadian border i mean they're they're pretty thick and in, in a lot of the areas and, every every spot in minnesota has a zone now and you can shoot them anywhere in the state it's pretty
0: cool yeah i mean you pretty much you see them on the side of the road any number of places now and uh, again like eagles some 20 years ago um that it was a really rare occurrence to see something like that but now it's really commonplace it's 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 great it's awesome
1: yeah it's pretty cool we we live in a pretty cool unique state and uh we have a lot of special things right at our fingertips that uh, a lot of people take for granted that that they they shouldn't and need to remember how lucky we are.
0: Well, I know you're you're just a guy who likes to hunt, period. But what is the allure of, of wild turkey to maybe some other species?
1: Well, people, people who don't hunt turkeys probably don't understand because it's just a big dumb bird, right? <laughs> um, but but it's the smartest dumb bird you've ever seen and. Um, and I'm tried to dissect it a million times, but I think it's you know you're cooped up all winter and uh, you don't hear the birds singing sunrises are like, oh, that's a pretty sunrise. There's a double sun dog today because it's 400 below and clear skies. You know you, you don't really get to enjoy much and turkey season comes around and you wake up early. Sit down next to a tree, and the frogs are croaking like crazy, and you hear nature come to life. And the birds are singing, and the turkeys start gobbling, and then that vocal interaction that you have with the turkey um, is unique. You know, it's not like deer hunting where you just sit and wait for hours and hours and wait for the right one to walk by. Like you're talking to a bird, and you're trying to. Pretend that you're part of their clan, and and uh, it's really cool to be able to to vocalize with them like that. It's similar to like goose hunting, uh, to uh, to actually a greater degree. With goose hunting, you know, you're just trying to pretend that you're a big bunch of them, and there isn't a whole lot of intricate back and forth communication. But but anything you can vocalize with and uh, and come out successful on is pretty cool. Like. I don't know. It's hard okay. to explain, but yeah. I think anyone who's uh, who's enjoyed a, a spring sunrise in the Minnesota Northwoods knows what I'm talking about. When, you, when the sun starts to come up in the morning in the spring, it's, it's something special.
0: Now you're headed to the Black Hills of South Dakota, certainly. the uh, Black Hills is a beautiful area. Um, is it a different kind of turkey we find out there? Is it a different type of hunting? What goes on out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're hunting... We'll be hunting in the Black Hills, so it's long-legged Miriam turkeys, which are different than uh, the short-legged eastern turkeys or butterballs that we have around home. Uh, You know, our our turkeys are kind of flatlanders, and they just consume food and and, uh, upset upset landowners pretty much on the daily. And we're going to be in South Dakota hunting birds that are climbing canyons and uh you know they're lean and and fit and and we're not so <laughs> we'll see we'll see how we fare and every, every year i'm like i think i'm prepared for the black hills this year and then on the at the end of the first day my legs are on fire because i i just you can't get used to climbing those hills like uh, there's got to be some sort of billy goat treadmill that I need to be able to buy to prepare for it. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, it's crazy crazy terrain, but very cool turkeys and beautiful, beautiful country. I mean, uh, not very often people can say, oh, yeah, I shot a turkey. And then I looked to my left, and there were the four presidents. Like, you know, Sure. That's, just, that's really cool.
0: Okay. And I, I, I'm assuming you've been doing this for a number of years.
1: Yeah, I think this is uh, the fifth year in a row that okay. we do the Black Hills, but, and then we usually do uh, one prairie hunt in like the Sisseton Wahpeton Powhatan Indian Reservation. We do that usually early, early spring, but that uh, that wasn't going the occur this year because we had planned other things, and then and then I think that hunt got canceled anyway, so. Um, two totally different things, one's in the flat prairie and then the other one's in the hills, but but yeah, I've been doing this, I think it's the fifth year now, and uh, wouldn't miss it, it's really cool hunt.
0: Alright, so you'll you'll come back in very good shape.
1: I'll come back dead. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, I don't think I'll be in any better shape, I'll probably be in worse shape, but um, but it'll it'll test our resolve and it's my son's first time going out there and he wants to start chasing his grand slam now so um, so notch a, another turkey off the off the list and hopefully we both have some success so.
0: Do these turkeys taste different than uh, turkeys in Minnesota or is they just a, just built a little different no
1: no i I don't I don't find any difference in taste. Some people have said that they they do. Um, you know, you get over there and you start to get some sagebrush and a lot of spruce and pine. And uh, I've heard people say they can taste a hint of that, but when you wrap it in bacon and put a little cream cheese and throw it on the pellet
0: grill, it all tastes the same anyways. Okay. Well, listen, I, I know that, uh, you know, you're hoping that things are back at it uh, on the 18th, and and if so, or maybe even by June 1st, if things get going, I'm assuming you'd like people to go ahead and uh, and book a trip now, and you'll take care of any changes in business you have to later, right? Yeah,
1: like I said, uh, not this coming weekend, but the weekend afterward. Uh, so next weekend, we're, we're planning to run full bore as long as nothing changes, and i uh, love to hear from some people I know. We've been getting a lot of feeler calls and, and a lot of people saying they're interested. They just need to wait to hear how things pan out. And I totally agree with that. I don't want, you know, I don't want people traveling if they don't have to. And I'm all about the safety and especially being a hospital worker, I understand the concerns. And, and uh, like us on this trip, we're, we're not stopping, we're not stopping anywhere except for gas and it's at the pump and we're sleeping in the truck. So, oh uh, you know, minimal, minimal, minimal contact, and uh, I think we're going to have probably more contact with the Yeti cooler in the back of the truck than we will <laughs> any businesses. So.
0: All right. Um, if people want to go ahead and get something booked, what's the best way to do that?
1: Uh, simply go to NorthCountryGuides.com, and if you click on the Contact Up tab, uh, you can get links to all of our social media. So even if you're not booking a trip, you just want to see what all of us are up to, you can definitely give us a follow on all the all the social media, and we'll keep you up to date on the fishing and hunting reports. If you want to book a trip, get a hold of us.
0: All right, Matt Brewer from North Country Guide Service on his way to the Black Hills for some turkey hunting with his son. Matt, thanks for taking the time today. Good luck out there. Thanks, Tim. Back to Fishing Next, part one of a conversation with Acting Bemidji Area Fishery Supervisor Andy Thompson on the new Cass Lake Chain Management Plan. Fish and Paul Bunyan Country is presented by Northland Fishing Tech. checking in with the Acting Bemidji Area Supervisor, Andy Thompson. And uh, today we're talking about the Cass Lake chain. A couple of things we'll cover is basically take a look at the chain, the kind of health uh, we're finding there. Um, But they just wrapped up a new management plan for Cass Lake. And Andy, let's just kind of go through that a little bit. What is the process a lake or a series of lakes goes through to... To put a, a, a new management plan in place, and why, why was that something you wanted to do?
2: Kind of interesting. We we have this process for just about all of our lakes. Any lake that we do surveys on or or do any kind of management actions, and it's it's a kind of a gradual process. Um, for most of those lakes, they get updated every five or seven years. Um, and uh, in the case of Cass. Uh, Because Cass Lake is in the large lake program, it gets annual sampling and, you know, more active management um, on an ongoing basis. So we were actually a little bit, um, even though it was kind of the same process, it was less formalized. You know, we didn't have the the written plan that we could provide to the public to, to let them know what we were doing and why we were doing it. So what we wanted to do was to to pull these these what we call our large lakes, our our ten largest walleye lakes in in the state that are in this program, kind of pull them in and formalize that management planning process for those lakes as well. So what we did in, in the case of the large lakes and with CASS in 2019 is we assembled a a group of uh, of citizens that have an interest in Cass Lake uh, with a wide a broad representation from different areas including resorts um, business, local businesses and just anglers and also we all wanted to include not just just Cast Lake but the whole chain um, we really have increasingly are thinking of of that system as as one big system even though there are a number of lakes Separate lakes, they're all connected broadly and, and have, you know, boat traffic back and forth. It it really is just one big system.
0: So when we talk about the Cass Lake chain, what are all the lakes we're looking at?
2: So we've got lakes on the Turtle Arm. That's a, a tributary stream to Cass Lake. So lakes like Kitchy and Big Rice on that arm. And then the Mississippi arm that comes into Cass Lake um, which includes Andruja and Big Wolf and as well as Big Lake which is also kind of a tributary there although that lake is not quite as broadly con- connected to the rest of the chain. Um, and then to the south is Pike Bay and then there's there's Buck Lake which is you know Really, kind of a bay of Cass Lake, but it does have a, a separate lake name. And then, uh, even uh, on Star Island, which is an island in Cass Lake, there's a lake um, that uh, you know, its right. own little thing. So, it, it's quite a system of, of water there.
0: It really is uh, quite a quite a system indeed. Um, so, what were some of the things that came out of the, the meetings and the process?
2: Well, what we tried to do was um, kind of break down. We did it through a series of meetings, and each meeting we would kind of focus on you know one or two main topics. So some obvious things that you know we would talk about walleye management. Um, we we kind of had a section for the main species of interest, which on that system are walleye, yellow perch, and muskellunge and Northern Pike, kind of the four main species there. And then we also had a a section on invasive species and one on, uh, you know, habitat and uh, um, talked, uh, you know, at length about each one of those categories and, uh, uh, Presented the, the data that we have in those on, on those topics on those different species and and talked about our management actions and then we what we really wanted to focus on were goals and objectives, which we kind of separated as two different things, uh, a goal being um, you know something that we want out of a say a walleye population, and the adje- objectives would be some some specific measurable things that we could identify to determine whether or not we were meeting the goal that we had set for for that say for walleye for example
0: okay so what kind of consensus was there amongst the the populace and uh, the business interests and the DNR
2: well um, overall um, most of the things that we that we covered and presented are you know our our historic uh data and management actions, and then presented you know what we're currently doing and re- and the reasons why um, uh, most of most of it uh we had a lot of good discussions and you know kind of went back and forth a little bit, but most of it uh people were were pretty happy with um Cass has had some great fishing here the last few years, especially the walleye fishing. The musky fishing's been good. The perch uh, population went through a little bit of a down cycle here recently, but um, now in just the last couple years, it's it's really come back well. And so, overall, we had uh, a pretty good uh, consensus that that things are in good shape there, and and uh, probably just proceed as as we have been. Uh, we were able to identify, you know, those goals and objectives with, with the group's help and, uh, you know, things like, you know, do we want to have a, a naturally self-sustaining walleye population that doesn't need any stocking, um, okay. in which case to get to that point, you know, you, you'd really have to um, curtail harvest and have some some fairly restrictive regulations versus maybe having more of a... A sustainable fishery that that is uh, benefits from the aid of um, maintenance stocking, uh, which allows you know a little bit more harvest to occur. So, looking at scenarios like that, you know, trying to pick which is a, a better scenario or a more desirable scenario.
0: What uh, what did we decide on?
2: Well, our 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 pattern um, our uh, management to date has been, because because that cast chain supplies uh, an egg source for us in the Bemidji area to, that we use for walleye production, and we, we collect those eggs every year, we have a policy of stocking fry back into that system. and And we've fortunately just recently been able to study the effects of that stocking and determine you know how well that contributes to the system, and it turns out it's it does that that return stocking does quite a bit to contribute to that system, so that's kind of how we've been operating all along and through the course of our monitoring of that population, we have never been we have never followed a path to needing um, special regulations for walleye harvest because of the walleye population was has been in good shape and the fishing's been good and uh so as we kind of fleshed out that that pattern um you know we were able to see that continuing to do what we've been doing has has worked out well and and people kind of like like that that situation that they have and and not having um, you know any extra special regulations if if it's not needed so that's kind of where we ended up
0: okay um, so, basically, the consensus and the evidence indicates that the Cass Lake chain is really in very good shape.
2: It really is, um, and we're, we've are we lately just been seeing some interesting things that are fairly new in terms of growth rates of walleye and yellow perch. Um, they seem to be um, benefiting from something going on in that system here recently. We don't know if that's going to be a permanent change or if it's just a you know a temporary uh pattern but uh so we're seeing some good growth getting some nice sized perch back out there and uh, the walleyes are growing well
0: part two of our conversation on the cast Lake chain management plan and the state of the fishery tomorrow along with chuck hassey of leisure outdoor adventures that's it for today i'm kev jackson thanks for joining us
2: Look for specially marked packaging and visit MTNDueGaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 Plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.